This is a Hoff Studios podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everybody it's Daniela your host of the mom curious podcast I have a really special episode here um, for you today and what I'm gonna do is I'm actually gonna hand over the host um, position to my friend Arielle Stein you probably remember her from the first season of our show where she came on and just you know blew our hearts open um, like the sweet Jewish mommy that she is. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been in love with her ever since. Um, Arielle and I have become really good friends. I trust her completely. Um, and I think when we are um, delving into what's going on with the Jewish community and the, the world community at large since October 7th, I just couldn't find the words to... Um, make this a solo episode myself, but I didn't want to, you know, skim over um, the real life changes um, happening for me, the changes to this show, um, the changes in the world. Um, I couldn't ignore it, um, but I also could, I, it was too fraught for me emotionally to uh, do it alone. That's the truth. And I respect you so much, Ariel as a mom and as um, a thought leader. I'm really grateful for your compassion and empathy when it comes to um, the Jewish people in the diaspora, Israelis, um, you know, Israeli Arabs, Muslims, Christians, Jews, um, as well as the Palestinian people. I I just find that you have um, just put humanity uh, first in everything you do as a Jewish influencer. And I, your message has always resonated with me. Your message of peace, of coexistence, of hope. That's the national anthem of the, the Jewish people yes. and Israel in general. Yes. And, um, you know, I called you yesterday to make this happen and you made it happen for me. So I really appreciate <laughs> it so much. Um, and I also just wanted to give a nod to Hoff Studios for um, holding this space. It is hard. Um, this is hard, like really, really hard. Um, and it has been. Uh, we're recording on day 110 of this war. And it has been, um, of course, <laughs> on the ground, it's been torture, um, you know, in the region. And um, for those of us in the diaspora, um, also torture yeah. in a different way um so i'm gonna turn it over to you my trusted friend my beautiful beautiful well, sister thank you so much thank you for having me and um thank you for trusting me to hold this space for you and i think as you mentioned all of us have been going through 
so much these past 110 days and it's um it's it's hard when you feel like you're going through it alone so i also appreciate the way you have used your platforms and fostered community and helped me i can only speak for myself but i know so many others as well not feel so alone thank you so much you know i um I decided not to air um, an episode of the show um, in the week after October 7th. I mean, it was really, mm, mm-hmm. um, but I, I I just couldn't keep soldiering on, as they say. What a, what a, what a terminology that right. is. Um, yeah. And, uh, and then I did just soldier on and I, you know, I never, I never, had a week of silence for the devastation happening in Gaza and I didn't ever say anything at all um at all since then um on this podcast and I just feel like that would be such a disservice to the listener who's gotten to know me really well um but but here we are 110 days later here we are 110 days in we're three months into this um how have you been doing you know, not well. Mm-hmm. Not so well. Yeah. Um, it, it's been scary on a lot of fronts. Um, of course, like the, the violence and the, um, you know, seeing those images, like they don't leave you. Um, yeah. And that's been really hard to metabolize for me. And for so many of us, um, but what's also pretty rattling is the um, the anti-Semitism that's sort of come onto our shores and even in our own classrooms. I mean, in Brooklyn, where you know any listener here knows uh, where that's where I live, there's a school that has wiped Israel off the map. Yeah, and put Palestine in place. And I, I want to say outright, I hope one day there is a Palestinian state alongside Israel. It just doesn't exist yet. And if we're teaching pre-K students until their fifth grade that that Israel doesn't exist, that's that's millions of Jews that don't exist in those people's minds. Um, mm-hmm. That is revisionist and it is dangerous. So I'm having a hard time on a lot of levels and... Um, and I'm not the only one. No, you're definitely not. And I think we've all been impacted in different ways. Um, how have the events had an impact on you personally, but also professionally in, in your field, both as a podcast host, um, an activist, an advocate, an actor, um, has it had an impact on your work? Yeah, it has. I mean, a lot of my programming on my social media channels have been mm. um, just resharing and and educating to the best of my ability um, around anti-Semitism, which is like, I guess it's a it could be considered a passion, but also I just I I just wanted to be a storyteller. Like I just wanted to be an actor. I just wanted mm. to like have a podcast that brings mothers of all stripes together. You know, like I I feel there's a there's a real pit in my stomach around the fact that like somehow every jewish person needs to advocate for the their very existence you know absolutely how awful well 
you have actually been doing, I think, such a beautiful job of storytelling through your own personal experience. Oh, thanks. And um, I have really loved understanding what's happening globally through the lens of you as a person and your family's history. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, I, we're taking a step back for a second, but why Israel is so important to you. Sure. Thank you so much. Ariel, you're really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> as I wipe the sweat off my forehead. <laughs> um, thank you. Um, okay. So why is Israel so important to me? My parents are Israeli. Mm. Um, my grandparents on my father's side have lived in Jerusalem they're they've since passed but they're they're gone but um they've they've lived in Jerusalem for generations my grandfather actually was born in Iran but um when he was a teenager he walked on foot to Jerusalem wow yeah but my grandmother had been there uh, her entire life this is this is you know this is pre-1948 yeah this is during the British mandate there were yeah. Jews there for a very long time okay um, they were, you know, Sephardic. Um, I think it's worth noting that this idea that Jews are white just yeah. doesn't apply. It doesn't apply to any of us. The reason why many of us look white is the unfortunate reality of rape um, that happened for a long time because of the persecution of Jews um, and the literal miraculous nature of our existence. Um, but my grandparents were definitely not white. They were yeah. Middle Eastern Jews who lived in Jerusalem. Much of my, um, you know, my childhood was spent in Jerusalem. Uh, my mother's from Haifa. Her grand, her parents uh, survived the Holocaust, and um, they didn't have a place to go home mm. to, quote unquote, home. Their home was. Um, in Eastern Europe, where they had been for generations, where my great-grandfather served in the Austrian um, army. He was a proud European man. Wow. Uh, and that did not save him from mm -hmm. uh, Hitler. And so they, you know, moved to um, Haifa, where they built the state of Israel, essentially, and their, their lives back up again um so israel is a, a huge part of my life uh, you know specifically my life i mean Israel yeah. saved my life if i if i there was no israel there would be no me you wouldn't be here yeah my, my father you know fought in the yom kippur war um survived by the skin of his teeth uh and here here i am i mean if there was no israel there would be no me and i am one of millions yeah not that many millions actually there are only how many millions of jews in the world Oh, what's the number now? Uh, is it 15, 15 million? Yeah, maybe? which is still less global, than... Global. Yeah, global. Though, half of whom live in Israel. So half of the world's popula Jewish population. Right. Um, so And maybe people don't yeah. know that. So I think when you wipe Israel off the map, literally, you, that's half of the our family. And right. I mean that family. My, my my literal family lives in Israel. They're on the front lines in Gaza. Do you still have Gaza. family yeah, there? Yeah, my cousins. Okay. Yeah, he... he you know, was drafted to the reserves right as his wow. first baby boy was was being born. He's, I have I have wow. six first cousins there. Um, my aunt, my uncle, um, other other aunts and uncles that I'm not as close to, but these are people that I grew up with. Um, yeah, I mean, your family's story is actually n not unique. What makes yours unique is that you have 
Ashkenazi, so the European side from, that's your mom's side, and then the Mizrahi, the Iranian and Middle Eastern, North African Jewish side um, from your dad's side, and and they found each other. Um, in Israel. In Israel. Yeah. So I think for many, I mean, we're all descendants of, you know, our ancestors were expelled or had to forcibly leave um, their homes, and I think your family's story is actually a great teachable moment about Jewish history. Yeah, which is being erased. And I think and I think you and I both agree on this, and I'm pretty sure that the, the listener might as well. Um, we don't need to erase Jewish history in order to advocate for the Palestinian people who Absolutely. inherently deserve dignity, safety, security, life. We There's no uh, yes. need. There is just no need for me to have to sit here and defend... Um, myself in order to defend the other there you know we can mm-hmm. all pull our necessary passion around this um conflict absolutely together and i feel like my energy is being zapped by the constant um need to correct people around Jews being white, there are black Jews, my friends, they, that mm-hmm. were saved by Israel. Like Ethiopian Jews, please do not erase them. There are Asian Jews. There are, right. you know, there are North African Jews. There are Ashkenazi Jews who, who, as I said, look white because white of race. White passing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, white passing. I mean, if you take any of our DNA, you'll see that we all... Um, we all originate from the Levant, from from Judea, from Israel. Um, it's okay for Jewish people to be indigenous to the land of Israel and for Palestinians to deserve dignity, safety, security, 100%. food, shelter. I mean, really, I don't know why I get heated only because I'm like, can we all just get to that? I think there's a great point around colonialism. You know, I think a lot of people are talking about colonialism as mm-hmm. this like evil entity and then they're lumping Jews, which, by the way, is a anti-Semitic trope around, you know, Jewish power and our want to control the world, which is like, please, no. Right. Um, but, you know, you know, the Jews did not colonize the state of Israel. This was um, a land back experiment. It was the only time that an, an indigenous people returned to their indigenous home land and a decolonization that's right and and one of the most important uh factors that we can look to is the language there's Mm. only one state in the entire world that speaks hebrew there are many countries that speak arabic because there was a saudi arabia and they colonized the entire region does that make them bad no does it is it is it just it does it matter in terms of when we use the word colonizer mm-hmm. or colonialism yes it is an important point you're pointing the finger at the wrong folks here and it's a distraction it really is it is what what's something that you think people might have a misconception about or that you wish people understood more about israel Oh, I wish people would visit. Mm. <laughs> I really do. It's a democracy. It's a liberal democracy. I know that there is a lot of talk around people in the government being super right wing and very religious. I am not a religious person. Yeah, I don't. I, I 
I happen to come from a religious family. I love the state of Israel. Most people that I know in Israel are wildly liberal. They, mm. you know, they're like, they live with two million Arabs who have, who enjoy every single freedom that a Jewish citizen of Israel has. The, the state of Israel is the size of New Jersey. It is tiny. Yeah. When people talk about the power dynamic, look at a map. And right. don't look at that map in, in Brooklyn on that, mm. you know, that doesn't have Israel at all. Not look at one. a map <laughs> and you'll see how tiny Israel is in um in a part of the world where they are. In fact, there is a power dynamic and they are at a disadvantage there. Um, uh, right, when we zoom out, you know, of the map that everyone sees where, you know, there's Israel, the Palestinian territories, the West Bank and Gaza, and, and you're saying zoom out and see the region and you. how tiny Israel is. Yeah. So, yeah, I wish people would know that. Yeah. I wish people would, you know, would understand that they, that you know me, you're listening to my podcast, you know Ariel. I thank you for continuing to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> it means a lot to me, but most people don't know Jews. Yeah. They just don't know them. And so it's very easy to look at a holy text or to read the news and to really think of these people as unicorns, as fairies, as, you know, like, um, God came, Jesus came from the Jewish people. That is a really high bar, my friends. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just a person. Yeah. Those people who live in Israel are just people. And I, mm -hmm. I want to sort of burst that bubble for, for my friends who are listening who really have never met a Jew or who can pass this on to someone who has never met a Jew, which is most of most, the world. Most of the world. Right. We, we just said we're 15 million people. That's about 0.2% of the global Popu population of the global population yeah. and yet we are um the narrative of the jews is in mm. nearly all um you know uh holy texts yes know, certainly when it comes to christianity and islam we are all over your news feeds right you know we are mythical characters to so many people and i am skin and bones and I think what's also important and what you're getting at, too, is uh, Jewish people are not a monolith. And you mentioned in Israel uh, that you have a lot of friends who are um, liberal, identify as progressive. Um, some are religious. Many are secular. And the whole spectrum exists. We are certainly not one thing in the diaspora either. And uh, there is, what's the expression, the joke that people say, two Jews, three opinions? Yeah, I mean, if you look at the Talmud, by the way, which is one of our <laughs> yes. ancient texts, it's like <laughs> one line of scripture and then five pages of, of commentary opinions. and of, opinions. I mean, of contradictory opinions. That's like the whole fun of being Jewish is that Absolutely. we can hold many complexities and have have been taught to actually um yes in our culture uh yes so i i guess i'm wondering you know we're seeing a lot of denial about the massacre on october 7th um we're seeing denial of the sexual violence that took place and um un women and other international organizations taking months to acknowledge when we, you know, with other incidents have seen much faster response time and um, at the very least acknowledgement. I guess, what would you say to people who 
deny what happened on October 7th um, and are failing to acknowledge the the suffering and the violence that took place and also um, the hostages. We should mention that there are over 130 people being held right now still civilians in Gaza um, 110 days into this. I guess what is your take and what would you say to people who deny that this happened? I speak to mothers Mm -hmm. and I would hope that we are raising a generation who doesn't need to erase history even if it was only 110 days ago in order to have empathy i i i i hope that we can raise a generation and that we can be a generation who could acknowledge that october 7th was horrific and that it is hard to believe that people could be so barbaric Mm -hmm. and cruel and film it themselves. It is hard to believe. In the same way that it is hard to believe that there was systems in Nazi Germany that extinguished Jews by the thousands daily for years. It is hard to believe. And it is true. And I have a sense that the reason why that there is this denial of course we can talk about you know inherited jew hatred sure sure but i have another feeling that it's also because they want these deniers are trying to bolster their compassion empathy their um care for Palestinians right now in Gaza who are suffering tremendously, who have been suffering for years under Hamas. And, and you know, there, there's a blockade between them and Egypt. It is very hard to get into Israel. Their lives are hard and have been for a long time. Yeah. I think if we erase October 7th, it can make it very easy for people to say, well, these people are suffering at the hand of Israelis. It is harder for people to hold the complexity that there are many people suffering for many different reasons and that there are perpetrators and victims and you can be both, in Mm. fact, at the same time. Yes. I mean, what you're saying, holding two truths simultaneously that might seem at odds with each other, but is the, I think, hardest work, but the most important work that we can do. Um, because you, like you said, you do not need to erase someone else's experience uh, to bolster yours. But as you said, there there is suffering happening uh, on, I don't even want to say both sides. It's like, we should really, you know, be looking at all, all of us as on the, the side of peace, the side of humanity, like what no one wants to see suffering. I know um, for sure that Israel, if it could go back to October 6th um, and rewind the last 110 days, would do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I, I don't think anyone wanted this war. Um, and I think it's, you know, we can't forget not just what happened on October 7th, but that you know, the 1,200 people who were murdered that day 
each of them injured also and i mean maimed injured now hundreds of thousands of people displaced um from their homes that this is still ongoing and will have ripple effects for years decades to come the unfortunate truth also ariel is that someone did want this war to happen and mm. those people are hamas mm -hmm. that is a real thing and thank you for Iran that you're right did want this war to happen and um and why there is such evil and cruelty in the world i don't know but i have to grow up and mm. say yeah you know people and and by the way i i and yeah. we can we can breathe into the truth which is that there are extremists in the israeli government yes there are and i think it's important why, to it, name that too for yeah, sure we have to acknowledge as adults I have two young children. I am not the child anymore. I am not Anne Frank that could say, I believe after all that people, people are really are good. good at heart. She said that under the care of her father. And then she was murdered. Yeah. She was a child. Her father had to teach her that everything was going to be okay because he was a good loving father. Knowing that there was true evil out in the world i have to be an adult and acknowledge that there are really bad actors out here yeah i think and since we're talking about family and and kids have you spoken to your children about this or what do they know if anything yeah. about what's going on i think i'm trying my best to, to to stay regulated sometimes they see me wearing um this like uh a number on my shirt. What is that? There's this mother. Her name is Rachel. She's the mother to a 23-year-old boy named Hirsch. Mm -hmm. And he has been held captive for today 110 days. I'm sure we'll, we're going to air this a few days later. But um, she asks that if we can, that we put that number that keeps going up. Mm -hmm. Uh, on our our shirts and sometimes i i do and um it's sort of in honor of uh hirsch and the other hostages being held in gaza and my son sees it and he's like why or he'll see this dog tag that i wear that says bring them home and he says why and i said because i want the war to end and he goes you know he'll he'll say actually i hope israel wins and i say you know i just i hope i hope people win Mm -hmm. You know, and I just like speak in code, you know, that like, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope that we don't go to war anymore. I hope that, you know, Israeli and Jewish children can live a life of safety, that we don't have to send our children off to, you know, army service just to live, <laughs> just to live. Um, my grandmother used to say things like, Sheikh you, she would say like, I hope they live for you, that they mm -hmm. live, that that your children live. That's what her blessing would be when she would meet parents. That your children should live. That's what, you know, that's the inheritance I have as a Jewish mother is the, from my lineage. I don't want to put that on him. So I try, sure. I try to keep it light. Oh, I hope humanity yeah. wins. You know, I try to be like, like Anne Frank's father, Otto Frank, like, well, you know, also, everyone's really good at heart. <laughs> and our kids are young. My kids are similar ages to yours. Um, I have a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. And uh, I think it's really tough 
also to hide what's happening from them completely. Um, they pick up on my energy. You know, they can sense when I'm not feeling, you know, 100% or if something's up. And, you know, you mentioned trying to regulate your emotions like mm. in front of them. It's a full-time, it's a full-time job. job outside yeah. of that. And yeah. I guess I'm wondering, like, what have you been doing or what would you like to do that, that has been supporting your mental health throughout oh, this? Yeah. You know, guys, I, this might be a good time for me to tell you, this the show is going to be aired every other week for a while, maybe forever. I don't I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll check back. But I have to slow down. Okay. Yeah, I have to slow down. And I have to be more thoughtful. You know, there was a moment um, uh, when I had batch recorded so many of these episodes and we aired them and all of a sudden I would click back to mm. one, you know, a couple of the guests and they were spewing a lot of hate and I couldn't promote the show, even though, by the way, wow. every single one of these episodes that I've ever recorded is quality, is gorgeous. These people have a lot of good things to say, but, you know, they're uh-huh. drinking the Kool-Aid just like everybody else. They, they don't necessarily know that they're being anti-Semitic wow. either. I have to be more thoughtful that was very jarring for me. I have to be more thoughtful. Mm. I have to really make sure that I can promote these episodes, that I can give everyone the time and the attention that they deserve. Um, I have to slow down. That's yeah. what I need to do for my my mental Taking health and for yourself. every bit of my um, my output in this world. I really need to be really thoughtful in a way that I... I just, I didn't feel like I needed to be before. Have you experienced, you kind of alluded to it just now that there were, you know, some guests who maybe were sharing hateful messages outside of the episode of your show oh, is yeah. what you meant. Yeah. Um, but I guess any In the- friends or colleagues who, you know, since this happened on October 7th have um, maybe expressed, even if it's, you know a bias or an anti-Semitic, you know, message that you didn't expect? Like, have you seen that happen at all? Um, yes and no. Um, there have been a couple of people who have been really cruel to me <laughs> in the name of calling me a friend. Like, baby, you ain't no friend. <laughs> like, if you, if you were my friend, you wouldn't call me a baby killer. You know what I mean? You mm. wouldn't call me an evil Zionist. Okay. Um, because I'm not evil and I have not killed any babies. And um and using the word Zionist as, as a an, pejorative yes, term, okay. which, which means Jew essentially. Yeah, tell point. me, I guess let's do a quick pause uh, education moment. What is Zionism? What is a Zionist? Zionism is the belief that the Jewish people have the right to self-determine in their ancestral homeland of Israel. Um, to be a Zionist is to support that longing the way my grandfather walked all the way from Iran to Israel, the way my grandparents uh, were literally saved, housed by Israel after their entire families were gassed and murdered in Nazi Germany. Um, Zionism is the being a Zionist means you support a state that will airlift Ethiopian Jews who are being persecuted. Um, 
Zionists support the state of Israel because not not every policy, certainly not every policy. My gosh, hundreds of thousands of, of Israelis right. like marched against um, Bibi Netanyahu for nearly a year this past year. So being a Zionist doesn't necessarily mean that you know you agree with every policy. Just the same way being an American doesn't mean that you agree with every policy. But mm-hmm. um. You know, having a, a Jewish state is important for the Jewish people. And more than anything, it exists. So this idea that, like, shouldn't exist would be would be violence, real violence, because it exists already. Um, the idea that Zionism is evil, I mean, is such a distortion of Jewish history and of, of the Jewish word, Tzionut, mm-hmm. Zionism. Um, so if someone comes at me, using my own really religious um, and cultural um, longing and um, tenant against me. That's not my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but my good friends, um, my good friends have always known that I'm a Jewish woman, a proud Jewish woman um, who knows a lot about Jewish history and about the Jewish state and about the Jewish people. So for the most part, maybe they've ghosted me, but they were my friends to begin with. There were a couple who were absolutely cruel, but for the most part, um, I wear my, I really wear my Judaism like a badge of honor, you know, like that yellow star is on my chest, whether you see it, you know, with your eyes or just with your energy. And so I feel like um, it saves me in a way from, Jew haters mm. who would literally have my me and my family dead. It's not it's it, um, anti-Semitism is is different than racism in that mm-hmm. they're say more. Uh, well, just that racism is this idea that this there's an inferiority. Although there was the inferior race that that the Nazis sort of during the Holocaust talk, right. talked about, but that because someone looks different or uh, is um, inferior to you and therefore you would use their mostly black and brown bodies for labor and for um, uh, and to persecute them. With anti-Semitism, there's this idea of punching down, so similar to racism, punching down, but also punching up. Mm-hmm. This idea that like, you know, um, Jews are want to control the world that we control the media that we control the banks that we wanted world domination we're colonialists even though as we discussed that doesn't make any sense um it's it doesn't make sense but these conspiracy theories about jewish control like that we can be disgusting we could we could bring the black plague we could bring covid but that we could also be these fairy tale characters in your um Mm -hmm. holy texts and um, and want to dominate the world, it, it, it doesn't make any sense, but it has been going on for a good long time. These these uh, people want us dead. And I know that so, it sounds so crazy, but the Hamas charter will say it. The Hamas leaders right. will say it out loud. There are real fanatics, religious fanatics, that want Jewish people erased from the face of the earth. I know it sounds crazy, guys. And so, and, and living and in America or in the West, I should say, it feels that doesn't just sound crazy, but like, oh, that could never happen, right? And so, you, so we go back to this trope about Jews being neurotic. And I, I, I will tell you, go listen to one Hamas leader speak. 
Go to Iran for one day and you'll see them chant death to Jews. Mm -hmm. They mean it. They mean, believe them. But believe them. You know, I think there's this like infantilization of okay. um, Middle what Eastern. Do you mean? Well, I just the the racism uh, against Middle Eastern people, Jewish people included, Israelis included, um, is so profound that we don't even believe what they're saying when they're saying it. Mm. When Hamas says, "I want all Jews dead," we don't. White people, <laughs> the masses in the West, don't even believe what they're saying. Um, and what they're doing, right? So we, they don't even believe that October 7th happened because you cannot wrap your head around that level of religious fanaticism, of profound hate. But just because you can't let, wrap your head around it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. For sure. I think it's very hard for us to wrap our heads around this when when you're so far removed physically from the region but as someone also who has many friends and family members who live there and and they're on the ground living this and then like you said just our direct ancestors who you know it's it, it, i don't know what to call it in our dna though the coding of the the trauma and this intergenerational trauma exists even if you know you were born in the United States in a golden age for Jewish people. But what we've seen time and time again throughout history, whether it was in North Africa or the Middle East or South America or Europe, no matter where the Jews lived, and this was, by the way, in the diaspora after the Jews had to leave Israel, there were a few who stayed and many, many had to flee, um, but they uh, were forcibly expelled, ethnically cleansed, um, and the reason any of us are here, the 15 million who are here, um, are because at least one of our ancestors escaped before it was too late. Yeah. That's called epigenetics. It's a study. There's, there were, there, I knew there was a word in there. It's my, that's what my, my um, film was sort of based on, this epigenetic coding. Wow. Um, and I just want to say that I, that Palestinians have, you know, a really tough, 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 tough lineage as well. Mm. You know, that that epigenetic trauma, different, different, but it's heated because it's not, we are in the middle of um, a conflict that is age old and that is heavy and also confusing for um, people who are tuning into this over TikTok and Instagram. Mm-hmm really they they don't know they they don't know what they're watching many of them um their own epigenetic pain is being weaponized against them um you know we have a awful history of um indigenous violence on in america and of profound racism in america and that narrative is being weaponized that pain and epigenetic trauma is being weaponized to galvanize um, people um, in support of the Palestinians, which, by the way, deserve support without any of this manipulation. Would you say that you are pro-Palestinian? Yeah, 
Hamas. I don't know. I actually don't know any Israeli, by the way, who isn't pro-Palestinian, who doesn't mm-hmm. want their lives to be better, who doesn't want to see, you know, uh, weapons stored in hospitals and in schools and in um, children's um, stuffed animals. Like, this is no way to live. Mm-hmm. This is no way to live for any human being. And it's dangerous for Israelis, for their, for, 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 uh, a million reasons uh palestinians deserve sovereignty yes they deserve life they are suffering tremendously under hamas leadership which only makes israeli um borders and safety measures all the more stringent mm-hmm. because during the second intifada when my sister and brother were, were living in Israel, there were people blowing themselves up on buses. Wow. Okay. <laughs> shooting, uh, um, uh, my nearly shooting my sister um, in a terrorist attack in a cafe. So this wasn't even that long ago. I don't know the exact years of the second Intifada, but more or less, when did your siblings live there? So my sister is seven years older than me. She lived there... Um, in the early 2000s. We're talking about 20 so years ago. Yeah. And so when people say globalize the Intifada, are you saying right. blow up like suicide bombers on buses all was, over the wasn't world? It was even that long ago. In and, the name of killing Jews? Many of us, um, I'm of the millennial uh, generation and remember when this was happening. Um, and you know, remember the peace process. Uh, there's that iconic photo of Bill Clinton with Yitzhak Rabin, and who was the prime minister of Israel, and Yasser Arafat, the leader of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Um, and there was progress being made. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, someone, you know, assassinated, assassinated Yitzhak Rabin in Israel because... And assassinated p- peace and the peace process. In and the-, the process. But we remember that. That was sort of, you know, a turning point because um, I think over the last 20 or so years of, and I don't want to get too into the weeds of the politics, but in in the last couple of decades with the current prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, the people who grew up with only that image of Israel, um, and we see this on TikTok, and I'm not trying to, you know, point out its own, you know, Gen Z, but for people who don't know the full history and don't know about, you mentioned, you know, the Yom Kippur War, there was um, the Six-Day War a few years before that in 1967, the Independence War in 1948. The history that, that happened that led up to today you don't have, you know, the full picture here, the the context. And I'm wondering because I, I struggle when I see because I also want Palestinian liberation. And so I want badly. Palestinian people to have a state and to have sovereignty. Um, they so deserve badly. it just as much as the Jewish people do. They deserve it. They deserve it. Period. Period. You know? Yeah. What, I guess, are sort of some resources that you can point to for people who do want to learn more. Sure, yeah. I, I, there's this one, and I, I've mentioned um, this organization before. It's called the Parents Circle. Yes. Tell me about that again. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a group of bereaved families 
who have lost either children or siblings, you know, first, you know, um, family members um, to this conflict on okay. both sides. On their Palestinians are, and Israelis, yeah, Palestinians and Israelis okay. coming together, sharing their stories. Um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful wow. initiative, and one of the things that they um, always talk about whenever they get the mic is please do not import this problem, our problem, onto your shores. You cannot help us that way. Mm. You know, the 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 profound the, the profound suffering happening in Israel, Gaza, and the West Bank. If we take a degree of that onto ourselves, and we have, and put it into our public schools, now we're, we're swimming in shit with them. We right. cannot. We can't help them that way. We cannot help them that way. We can't help Israelis that way, and we can't help Palestinians that way. Um, it is muddying the waters. And um, so I, I love that, that organization. There's another organization called Standing Together. Okay. Um, they also are um, Israelis and Palestinians coming together, um, trying to create a new narrative. Um, I've mentioned before that I work closely with the Tel Aviv Institute. Mm -hmm. you, you have also, um, and we've had a wonderful community there. Um, and there are lots of resources in terms of education on their social feeds, which I, I recommend. Um, do you have any ones that you I recommend? These three are great for many reasons, but also because um, it is this gray area where it's not the black or the white, where you can only support one people's fight for self-determination. It, it, the standing together, the parents circle, and Tel Aviv Institute also are showing there is another narrative. There is a third narrative, which is both of our people's coming together to f build a better future for both of our peoples. Yeah. And that we can't do that if we're not acknowledging the suffering and being empathetic to all of the sides. And um, Chen Mazig of the Tel Aviv Institute is someone who I love learning from um, and who is really at the forefront of, um, I think, educating people in a nuanced way, and I have learned a lot from him. Um, I love following you and learning stories about Israel through your family and your family's history. Um, and yeah, I think we shouldn't only learn on social media. So important to pick up books. Um, Noah Plus, Tishby has a book out there. <laughs> yes, um, but Noah Tishby has a book. I don't know the exact name of the title, but it's like Israel, the most misunderstood country, or something like that, um, which breaks down a lot of information and history, which I think is really helpful. Um, and uh, you know, maybe we can share some other ideas in the show notes after the show. But um, I want to you know thank you for oh. using your platform both on social media you totally you know shifted to educating and advocating a lot more in the last 110 days although you were already doing that but um that you know the human to human piece like for people who have never met a jewish person or a person connected to israel um i think humanizing the conflict and listening to a person's story goes a really long way 
to educating and hopefully making a positive impact and a, and a difference. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I'm yeah. really grateful for all the joy you put out into the world, all the <laughs> compassion, all the it's hard, hard to feel joyful some days, but I think that's really important for us too. Um, not only to focus on the trauma and the pain, but also to find uh, Jewish joy and pockets of joy where we can. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for sharing your heart with us. And um, I am praying that, you know, the today's day 110, that we can see an end to this uh, current war. Amen. The hostages, please let and them come And that the hostages home. may be released um, and that we see brighter days ahead. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening, everybody. I really appreciate you. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Mom Curious Podcast. My name is Daniela Ravani. I am your host. And I would love to continue this conversation at Daniela Ravani on Instagram. And if you'd be so kind to rate and review share this podcast. I would be just really grateful. Catch you next time every Tuesday on the Mom Curious Podcast produced by Hoff Studios. You can find them at Hoff Studios on Instagram as well. All right. Have a great day.